Hi everyone, it's Leah. Before we begin this week's mini-sode, I wanted to share my thoughts about this situation that we find ourselves in this week with George Floyd and the video. As usual, my thoughts are going to be from an investigator and a business leader's perspective. I've also shared the following with my Workman Forensics team this morning. First, I think situations like this should cause us to reflect where we are as individuals when it comes to caring for others. We should use this time to evaluate our own hearts to see if we are serving and caring for others out of love, whether others include neighbors, staff, clients, subjects of investigations, law enforcement, colleagues, everyone. Are our actions being driven by love or something else? And then secondly, as investigators and data sleuths, and especially working at times between our clients and law enforcement and the subjects of investigations and attorneys or other accountants, our job is to find facts, truth, and solutions. Our findings and decisions impact the freedom of others, sometimes very directly, which is why we need to be certain that our findings are truthful, that they're based on best evidence, instead of piling on or making assumptions. So my challenge to investigators, forensic accountants, data sleuths, workman team, any other listeners of the podcast, and even myself this week is to examine the motivations behind our actions. To ask ourselves, am I acting, responding, and treating others from a place of love? And secondly, am I seeking, presenting, and preserving facts in investigations from which truth and justice can then be determined. My hope is that even if it hasn't been up to this point, is that we can say yes going forward. This week on our mini-sode, Leah interviewed Rick Mulvey, CPA, forensic accountant, and owner of Old Green Consulting in Albany, New York, and New York City. Working near the headquarters of My Payroll HR, Rick has been following the Michael Mann case that we covered a while back. With this information, we invited Rick to share case updates with our listeners on this special mini-sode. So Rick, whenever we were working on an outline and what we were going to talk about on a full-length episode of the podcast, you mentioned that you could give us an update on the Michael Mann payroll fraud case. And just for the listeners that don't know, we covered the Michael Mann payroll fraud case at the very beginning when everything was kind of coming out in the news. And that's in a bonus episode or a mini-sode from October 8th of last year, 2019. Actually, that mini-sode and the YouTube video, I mean, those are some of our highest downloads and greatest views, I think, on those platforms. So I know that our listeners are very curious about this case. And I mean, just the fact that it impacted so many people, it's just a fascinating case. So if you don't mind, just maybe give us the background and why you started following this case and then any updates you have, because we're really curious. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, fantastic case. I, I think I could see a, a TV movie be made out of this at some point. The case is still evolving, and I know it's it's been noted across the country as the Michael Mann case. So he was the owner of several business entities. And the reason I've been following this is his corporate headquarters are in upstate New York in a town called Clifton Park, just north of Albany. He lived maybe a half hour from there in a lakefront home on the Great Sacandaga Reservoir. 
And when this case broke, it hit the local papers here big time. It was September 5th, I think, when this whole thing blew open last year. I know you covered it in October, and there have been some, some developments that went on here. It was kind of known around here as the My Payroll HR case, and that was his main payroll service provider, the company that he had. He had a lot of other companies. ValueWise was another one, and he had some other companies in different industries. And he also had companies that we found out across the country were just created to keep his fraud going for a long time. So for just a, a brief background on the case, this wasn't a typical case of someone just embezzling money. It wasn't a typical, like a Ponzi scheme or anything. This was a case of a business owner who, it appears, expanded his companies very quickly, undercapitalized, overleveraged, and borrowed money from every bank that he could get his hands on. And with companies, it, it evolved into a game of musical chairs, basically. He was cutting checks across different banks and different companies. And at some point, you know, the music stopped and the case blew wide open. Like I said, his companies, they were payroll service providers. And like we talked about, I think he had provided payroll services to over 250,000 employees, companies across the country, and also different types of HR consulting and a few other businesses as well. Interesting, back a few years back, he had been um, doing business with a huge national company, United Health Group and one of their subsidiaries. They, they had done a lot of work with them, but they had fraudulently claimed that they had done more work and they had receivables. And they got an insider at United Health Group to participate in some collusion and certify that, yes, we're doing these contracts with them and these receivables are good. And the FBI was informed of that and jumped right on it. And his, his accomplice at United Health has already been charged and pleaded guilty to a, to a crime. But what Michael Mann's companies end up doing is borrowing over $70 million from a bunch of banks to keep these companies afloat. And that's where all the check kiting came in. Money was flying all over the place, overdrafts going on. To me, it was obvious that this whole group of companies was going to collapse. So what happened on... September 5th is, um, and I know you guys talked about it, you and Alicia were talking about it in the other episode, The just to catch up, the um, weekly payrolls from all the employer companies around the company went to my payroll HR here in upstate New York, $26 million for payroll and taxes that week. And it was supposed to go to their third party financial paying agent, Cache Financial. Cache Financial paid all the employees $26 million. But Michael Mann intercepted the $26 million at the local bank here, Pioneer Bank, and put it in one of his own accounts. Well, when Cache found out they didn't get the $26 million, they did a reversal on all the employees. All the employees' direct deposits were reversed out of their accounts. To make matters worse, when Cache did this reversal, they felt they had made an error, some kind of clerical error on the reversal, did it again, and employees' accounts were hit twice. And net payrolls were coming out of the employees' accounts. Accounts were overdrawn. And that's when the whole scheme just blew wide open. Cache Financial to this day has never been reimbursed that $26 million. They made good on the payrolls to the employees. They were never reimbursed from Michael Mann and Cache filed bankruptcy in the interim. So that's that's kind of what happened. And then the, the further updates, uh, the Local business paper here, the Albany Business Review, the Capital District Business Review, has done a great job following this with a whole timeline and a flowchart of, of what has happened. Mann's 
main bank was was Pioneer Bank in Albany. Not a really large bank. They had just gone public in July of 2019, and this happened in September. So it became apparent that everything they had loaned Michael Mann is had to be written off. I read that they wrote off $15.8 million in loans in the third quarter of 2019. And that was their first quarter as a public company and resulted in a $12 million loss. So not, not the way to go public, obviously. There were other banks involved. There was uh, Brookshire Bank here locally, which I can see out my office window. And Shemung Canal Trust Company was a third bank that had participated in these loans. Now, the fact that Pioneer Bank had froze the $26 million on September 5th, I believe it was September 5th, they're now being sued by the feds because none of the payroll taxes got paid for the client companies and they're being sued by the other two banks as well. That's kind of a kind of an update on what's going on. Michael Mann abruptly closed the offices on September 5th and people reported for work. Doors were locked. There's a sign on the door. We're out of business. Nobody works here anymore. And that was here in Clifton Park, New York. Nobody was able to locate Michael Mann for about a week. It's believed that he was huddling with an attorney and he turned himself in about seven to 10 days later. And he's been charged with all kinds of bank fraud and things like that. I don't know where the legal case has gone at this point. As far as I know, there hasn't been any plea deal discussed or anything like that. It's still evolving. It affected so many companies and so many employees and so many small businesses that had to fork over money to pay their payroll taxes. A lot of small restaurants and catering services we keep reading about. A pretty sad case. Recently, I had occasion to talk to an FBI agent in the Albany office who was in the office at that time, and he has since retired, but he didn't work on that case. He wanted me to know he didn't work on the case. He just heard bits and pieces of it. And he heard that man's companies were factoring receivables. So, you know, factoring receivables is basically like selling your receivables to a finance company at a, at a fairly steep discount. The first thing that hit him when he heard about the factoring is that these things are really prone to fraud. You know, the receivable invoices and sales that they purported to do could be fraudulent. And that's the first thing from his perspective as an investigator, that's what he's seen. My perspective hearing about the factoring of the receivables was that that's desperation. In my view, that's not your first lender. If you're not getting loans anymore through traditional banks, then that next to the guy in the corner, that's the lender of last resort when you're selling off your receivables at a steep discount. So might've been a sign that the scheme was unraveling. It's not known where all the money went, whether Michael Mann has a stash of money offshore or not. No one really knows. Was it just lost? Did the businesses lose money? That's still evolving. So, I mean, it's something I'm going to keep up on and try to stay up on. I'm sure you will on your, on your podcast as well. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, pretty fascinating case, actually. Almost every week there's there's updates. I, I also have to wonder, when you have a large group of companies like that, that are, it's basically a house of cards and it can collapse all of a sudden like that. Mm-hmm. It was reported in the business review that these, these companies were audited. They were having financial audits done and it makes you wonder about a going concern consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, were they able to complete audits? Now, we don't know. There's, there's no way of knowing that, whether audited financial statements were actually completed whether they were qualified or unqualified or whatever. It'd be really interesting to find that out. 
Yeah, for sure. And it is amazing that people all over the country were impacted. I've had people contact me after hearing the podcast and saying, oh my goodness, like this happened to me. And then not to mention that he was, a, I believe he was a 51% owner in a payroll company that's a local Tulsa-based, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma-based payroll company. And I have clients and contacts that are still getting notices from the IRS about those payroll taxes and just handling all of that. So it, it is pretty widespread. Since you're from that area, were you familiar with Michael Mann before all of this happened? I was not. I, I had heard of his company, My Payroll HR, and that was the company that operated locally here. I didn't, you know, through the years, I didn't have any clients that used them, that used that payroll service. You know, I, I touched on it briefly in the book about, in the chapter on payroll fraud, not that someone was committing fraud against the employer, but that in the whole realm of payroll, I think I called the section something like uh, when the payroll service provider is the fraudster. And it's just something for business owners to look out for. And I, I always think that if you're going to have a service provider like that, you want to go with the biggest and most trusted. And there are big national companies, but this was this was a big company too. And it was really, it was shocking to a lot of people because this was a big company. <laughs> I had to laugh a little bit. There was a Michael Mann's loan officer at Pioneer Bank, his connection, it turns out had been a college friend of Michael Mann's. And there was a tight, cozy relationship there. And he had uh, been talking about these companies and referred to them as a, as a mini Berkshire Hathaway. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With, you know, with a, a vast array of companies, $100 million in revenues. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned the factoring and that actually reminds me of a really great case study. So now I'm going to have to track somebody down locally to talk about this on the podcast because factoring is really interesting. And I agree with you that whenever you get to that point of factoring receivables. I just think that as a business owner, I've always thought if I if I ever have to get to that point, then I need to reevaluate my business and get out. <laughs> because I mean, I mean, it's like the worst interest or fee you could even pay on your receivables ever. You're just going to spend so much money just for that cash flow. But there was a big case here locally about a company called Aero Trucking, and it was related to factoring and just how that brought the company down. So that 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 is definitely a warning sign. I'm trying to think if I've ever not heard of a company getting into trouble because of factoring, but really, sure, you know, I, I just want to share one more one more concept about this case and the result of it, and especially what's happened here in New York State is it, it opened people's eyes to um, here's a payroll service provider who has access to companies' money. They're not regulated like banks. They are. There's very little uh, oversight in, in this payroll industry. And immediately the New York state legislature got together and said, we, we need to do something. We need to create some oversight here and kind of regulate them like their banks. They're holding on to client money. So we'll yeah, see how that turns out too. I mean, the legislature's not been in session for several months now, but we'll see. Right. Yeah. Great point. Great point. And we actually started calling a bunch of payroll companies and we started a white paper. We need to finish it. But we actually started calling payroll companies to ask them, what kind of insurance do you have that would protect your clients in a situation like this? So this is a good reminder. I'm glad you brought this case back up so that we can finish that white paper and provide that to people so that they can, you know, or even just make sure, you know, contact your payroll provider and see what insurance they have in place. Yeah, great point. Great point. I, I'll be I'll be tuning in to see what see if you guys do some updates on this case or yeah. I want to listen to a lot of your episodes anyway. I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for this mini-sode. It was really great to talk to you. Great, great being with you, Leah and Alicia. I, it, uh, I really enjoyed it. 
The Investigation Game is brought to you by Workman Forensics. For more information on the business and its services, visit workmanforensics.com. Find us on social media on any social media platform at Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or topic ideas, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com. Thanks for listening.